morning, everyone, here, there, and everywhere. Uh, I, I thought I'd finished with Hosea last week, but um, no, it, it didn't work. And so there's one, and I'm not even going to say last, because <laughs> who knows? But um, in chapter 14 of Hosea, there's one phrase um, it says in verse 5, I will be like the dew to Israel. Um, and of course, throughout the book, Israel slash Goma, uh, if the, for those of you that have been with us for the last five weeks. But um, it's, it's a, a, in the first, it says, I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely. In the same context, I will be like the Jew to Israel. And before we go any further, um, I, I want to point out that our translators sometimes don't get it. Um, I have told many of you before that there is no future tense in the Hebrew language. I don't know if, if I haven't told you, that could be a shock. Um, it's very hard for us to understand that because obviously in English, we have a future tense. But the Hebrew people did not. And everything in the Hebrew language is present tense. It's now. And they don't, you never, never in the Hebrew do they talk about what's coming. It's always now. And they also have a past tense, but it refers to that which is past that is affecting us now. And so they lived in this now. Um, I, I would say the Hebrew people, if you could visualize them rowing a boat, they had their back to where they were going, and they rowed into a future that they, they didn't look at. And so they only saw where they were and what, where they'd come from. And, and um, you say, well, so what? So what? It's massive, because religion bathes in tomorrow. Um, it's religion can't do without tomorrow um, and you find all these passages in Hosea I could go almost every other book of the Old Testament but especially here in Hosea religion and much of what you and I have been raised in they say all of this is after Jesus comes back in the millennium and it is amazing to me these incredible prophecies of the new covenant that we're now in, they've already dismissed it as not here. It will be. And many of the scriptures, they have actually possibly, perhaps it could be that it would happen now. Only when you do this and if you do that and perhaps you pray more, Religion is incapable of living in the now moment and saying, he is. So, did you notice, I read from our translation, and it says, I will love them freely. That is not what the Hebrew says. It says, I will be as a due to Israel. That's not what it says. What does it say? I love you now freely. What does it say? I am the Jew to Israel. 
There was no thought that this belonged to a future time. This was now the throbbing reality of all that he is and was, he is now. Okay, got that out the way. Um, and we'll, you'll be understanding it as we get into this further. I am, I am as the Jew to Israel. Now, if you live in the city, which most of you do, um, Jew is not a big deal. Um, you do have Jew, because it comes on flat surfaces, but it, it's in the city, it doesn't have anywhere near the same ideas as it does out in the country districts. And if you go to Israel, they essentially depend upon the Jew. And if you go into the Old Testament with that in mind, you will see probably what you've never seen before, that every blessing of God begins with, I will give you the due. Because all the blessings of God depended on the due coming to give the whole earth life. And so the greatest blessing of the Old Testament was that God gave them the due. We find it here on the ranch. If you walk out there in the early morning or late night, early early morning, you will suddenly realize that what you thought was just grass has now become an ocean. And, and you are going through water. Where did the water come from? It wasn't there five minutes ago. It is the dew that suddenly comes upon the grass and the trees and you are surrounded by it. Um, the dew. Um, and God said he would be the dew. He has a thing about the dew. Uh, do you remember the manna? I, I think you would remember the manna where, where the people of Israel were fed miraculously every morning. They would go out and they would find the manna. Do you remember how the manna came? You can read it in Exodus 16, Numbers 11. It says, you will find the manna under the dew after the dew has left. So the dew somehow was involved in bringing the manna slash divine food to the people of Israel. And there's no other reason for that to be so except God somehow connects the dew with life-giving water and therefore he connected it to the manna to be life-giving food. The manna, there it is. See, without the dew, I'll say especially the land of Israel uh, or that whole area of the Middle East, but it's true in many places. It's, we don't exactly depend on the Jew here, um, but it has its big place. But essentially, if you go around the world, the Jew means that the area is not going to become a dry, barren desert. If, if there is no dew out there in the Middle East, it will rapidly, rapidly become just a desert. But uh, the blistering heat of the sun will cause everything to wilt, to dry up, and to die. But after the heat of the day and the temperature begins to drop, the scientists call it the dew point. 
it's when it drops enough and then suddenly the vapor in the air turns or distills into a droplet and you'll find them do you know what i'm talking about that, that you go and you see a leaf and it's covered in little drops of water and it's on the on the grass it's have you ever seen the spider's webs that have suddenly turned into a ring of diamonds because of all the little droplets of the dew that came at that certain point and once that ha happens everything for the rest of the night is soaked the vegetation and people if you're out there you're soaked in it and then after it's had its soaking in this gift of god water then the sun comes up for another day but it, it's already it can handle it it can face the sun because it has been drenched in the zoo in the dew and of course then that means dew is is the key the secret to all fruitfulness there'd be nothing growing without the dew and so the crops the herds because when the dew comes and it, it many times in these countries they make a funnel and catch the dew and it becomes a, a little pond of water and, and the, the cattle can drink it's it's everything you see um it, it produces fruitfulness that would never have come to pass except for the dew um but now this is kind of the weird part um dew is always there because it begins in the water vapor that's in the air you might call it under that air, it, it's the humidity and there's water in the air but you don't see it but then when the dew happens you see right that the water vapor becomes suddenly a drop of water and you see it but it didn't start there it's always been there it just manifested as a dewdrop when everything was just right when it was needed to be it suddenly is that, that, that's the dew it's suddenly but always with the remembrance i've been here all the time but this is the time to manifest it because dew always comes silently without any warning it's all dry and the next moment these tiny droplets of water have formed almost all of them immediately and they're on everything um, i have walked on this ranch and when i started out the grass was dry and somewhere out there when i hit the dew and i got absolutely drenched including my hair i, I was soaked in my hair because the dew came but as i said suddenly silently without warning i mean you can't compare the dew to say a thunderstorm a thunderstorm is an arrogant thing it it, it blasts at you long before it's arrived when a thunderstorm is on its way you hear it when it's in kerrville when it's down in pipe creek uh, and even hello i mean the sky is lit up it's there 
A thunderstorm always comes with a marching band. It's, and it's always setting off fireworks. I'm coming, I'm coming. And, and then when it does come, it slams the water down, throws hail at you and wind, and then goes marching on its way. And you're left, oh, thank God for the water. But you've destroyed the crops that the water was supposed to feed. And you, you get the picture. Here is something much more wonderful. And I think this is why the emphasis in the Old Testament, especially on the dew, they couldn't get over it. It's silent. There's no marching band. There's not even a pipe. It just suddenly, silently. And it's so gentle. It never breaks the plants. It never knocks uh, wood off the tree. We don't see it coming. We don't see it going either. It's unannounced. Does its work. Departs quietly, leaving everything that it has touched refreshed and nourished and ready to meet the day. Now, I just sort of halfway explained what happens because I read scientific journals that I don't understand and I just told you what they say. But in the scripture, written right over the dew is mystery. Because, well, yeah, it is mystery. The, the scientists can tell you the what is happening. But to think that God has set that into creation. I suppose if you believe that we all came from apes, that's no big deal. Um, you just, you know, accept it. It's all part of evolution, just happens. You have you noticed that the, the modern person never wonders? It's so sad. We, 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 it's a scientific explanation for everything, and the whole jolly lot is all evolution, and, and so there's no wonder. Whereas in, in the scripture and in many other more educated parts of the world, where they really believe in God or a God, they see these things and they wonder. Even the church today has lost its sense of wonder. We've forgotten how to say wow. We've forgotten how to be silent with awe. We shrug it off, I know that, yeah. The dew all through scripture is, is a mystery. Uh, Job 38 says, has the rain a father? Or who has given birth to the drops of dew? That, that sums up a lot of how they felt. That th this comes directly from God. That's why they said it was number one in the list of all the blessings of God. Because God gives blessings. He doesn't just say, you know, evolution's doing a good job. He, a blessing of God is something given by God. And number one was the dew. And so they said the dew is begotten, it's birthed out of God. And it's the ultimate blessing of God. In fact, it's the very gift of life. Have you noticed that in the Old Testament, the, the most terrifying curse that people brought upon themselves was that the dew would stop. 
Do, do you remember Elijah? Now, he, he's another fellow who dealt with Baal. See, the greatest evangelist for Baal in the Old Testament was Jezebel. She was the controlling lady who um, married Ahab. And um, she, she came down from Syria and came down with all of her evangelists, 400 priests of Baal. And that, that was the beginning of where Hosea was the end. They turned the whole of Israel into a Baal society. And Elijah came into the middle. Of, Do you remember? See, I've heard people preach on that, and they always say there should be no more rain except according to my word. Do you, do you remember the? He didn't say that. He said there'll be no dew or rain. Because I can handle no rain if I've got dew. But he said there'll be no dew or rain. That did make it rather something God did. Um, but you see, it's a blessing from God. It's life itself. And as I've already referenced, dew doesn't only just do a job. You say, well, now here's your nourishment, here's your refreshment, I'm out of here. Uh, dew hangs around until the sun rises and turns dew into a field of diamonds. There's nothing so beautiful as early, early morning with the sun just rising and you look out upon the dew. Spiders' webs are ugly things. Until the dew hits them, <coughs> then you could pay, I don't know what, for a necklace like that. I could keep going, but I, I'd get into poetry. And so <laughs> dew tur turns even the ugly into a work of art. Okay, that's what dew is. If you hadn't thought about it before. Now, Yahweh, the God of Israel, who, remember, is the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, is not a separate God. He's the same God under the name of Yahweh. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit now swears upon their own being. <coughs> this is not just say, well, I will be the Jew to Israel. He says, I am the name of God. I am as the Jew to Israel. God swears upon his own being. Whenever God says, he will do this or be this, he is saying, I will do it upon my own power. I'll do it out of my own love. So I say he swears upon his own being. <coughs> he will be as the dew to Israel. He will, thank you, the dew. <laughs> yeah, the dew. Thank you. Um, he will be the Jew. And I, I, this woke me up in the night. The, the, I will be as the Jew, which means no prophet is going to come along and say something that refreshes the people. He says, I, I will, I will be. I am 
the due to Israel. This is not a sub-God, as some people believe, that um, there's God and then there's this other God. And the other God is kind of nice, but the real God is not nice. Uh, people got weird ideas. There's a God behind Jesus that you've never met until he throws you in hell. But, um, no, do you realize this is the goal of God's being? This is himself, personally, who says, I will be as the dew to you. And when he says that in Hosea, that's not something new. Right? The Jew has been there before you saw it. Gomer had never got a hold of this. Right from the very beginning, God revealed himself as agape, the ultimate dew, the ultimate nourishment and refreshing and life and fruit-bearing power. He'd revealed himself as agape, but Gomer, who was locked into the temple of Baal and Eros, had never seen it, couldn't see it, was incapable of seeing it. It was happening right in front of her, but she didn't get it. She was too blind to see the wonder and the beauty that was actually happening to her. So now he says, I am the dew, and she's ready to see it. She's ready to hear it. And she becomes this beautiful thing because of it. I am the dew. This has gotten a hold of me, and I don't know if it's coming out of my mouth, but Father and Son in the Holy Spirit pouring himself out to us, giving himself to us. In fact, when I say Spirit, um, this is specifically the Holy Spirit because it tells me in Galatians, finally we, we get... Um, a, a resume of the blessings of God. And it says that the blessing of God, now we know, now it's been, the blessing of God is as is the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is that actual coming. When the droplets are upon our being, when the water of life is coursing through us, that's the Holy Spirit who is the same as the Son, same as the Father. This is the Father's will to give himself to us. He came to us and revealed himself in Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit is applying that. And if we ignore the Holy Spirit, we're as blind as Gomer. It's happening right in and we don't know what's going on. It's So you say the, the Holy Spirit today... We, we, we've, we've had the revelation, the Holy Spirit is the first of all blessings. Do you realize when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended, what was the first thing he did? He poured out the Spirit upon us and saying, I'm leaving you. Do you remember he told them that before? I'm leaving you. But he said, it is infinitely better that I leave you because then the Holy Spirit will come. And all the will of the Father that's been demonstrated in the Son is now applied and works, is done in you by the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is the hidden meaning of the Jew. <laughs> How can I? Ah, <laughs> you can see I'm trying to say something here. Um, you know, I, I was a great part of the charismatic movement, and I am, till my dying day, a hopeless charismatic. But in the charismatic movement, there were silly expressions that came along. And um, part of my being in the charismatic movement was to tell them how silly they were. What <laughs> um, One of them, you know, um, we suddenly stopped talking about the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. It's, it's something you just can't stay with the person of God. So they talked about the anointing. It's not an anointing. The anointing may be my description of how I feel. It might be something that I can give an idea of what's happening. But there is no anointing unless the Holy Spirit himself is actually causing me to participate in the life and presence of God. Um, yeah, so I'm not talking about something that happens to you that feels like the dew. I am saying almost unspeakable that God himself wraps himself around your being and causes the very water of life to flow through you. That, that's... And have you noticed I've insisted this was the will, desire, shall I say eternal passion of the Father that was revealed in Jesus that now the Holy Spirit applies to us. The Holy Spirit is not someone separate from the Father and Son, which again I hear so much, so much as if, well, the Father, we don't even know who he is. Jesus, he was nice back there in history, but now we have the Holy Spirit as if the Holy Spirit is some separate being. The Holy Spirit is, when Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he will not speak of himself, he will only speak of me. And what, what, what's me? He said, um, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You, you can't meet an individual member of the Trinity and have a private conversation. Whenever I meet Jesus, I meet the Father and the Spirit. When I meet the Spirit, I meet the Father and the Son. This is the Jew. It's the Trinity, but now coming to me in the Holy Spirit. Which tells me, I mean, everything hangs on the Jew in our lives as well as in the land. <clears throat> but when when I say, if you're getting what I'm trying to say, I myself, I myself, God Himself, is the nourishment, the strength, the fruitfulness. That means there's nothing natural about this that we call the Christian life. I mean, that's a mouthful, and um, we could stay there for the rest of the morning. There's nothing natural. That's why you'd never start with willpower. I can't, I can't try and love like Jesus. I mean, I, I have been... Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. He said, Didn't try, don't try and love one another. You love one another 
because there's a prior love, as I have loved you. The, the, the love of the Holy Trinity is actually put in us, poured out in our heart, says Romans 5.5, 5, by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing natural. And, and the, the peace that we have is not something that can be explained by a psychiatrist. The joy we have has got nothing to do with the fun day. All of this is the, the natural life of God that has been manifest in us, the same as the dew upon the grasses. We, we don't start anything. We, we never, we're not beginning. We don't originate. We love because he first loved us. He's always first. We love because we were first loved by the Father through Christ in the Spirit. It's, in fact, we read it there. Before he says, I'll be the Jew, he said, I freely love. Is the love of God. And if, if this dew of the new covenant is God himself, then it is the most intimate relationship every step of our life. We're not having some religious experience. We are actually being the apostle. Well, that's the word that's used to translate in the Greek. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you which is very much the same way they describe the dew in the Old Testament. It, and it is. If you could watch it happening, suddenly the dew comes upon the flower, upon the grass. Most intimate. I mean, do, do you get this? That, that you, you, you are not a person that is just inventing Christianity as you go along. It's not that you are trying so hard. It is that you are actually endued. You are actually wrapped in God, the Holy Spirit, who comes to you through Jesus from the Father, God himself. And that, the dew is life. Well, yeah, it's water. And wherever you turn in the Bible, water is the symbol of life, right from Ezekiel's vision of the, the river. Well, what's dew except a trillion droplets of water become a river? But the river of life, well, the river came under the door of the temple and it ended up as rivers to swim in. But he said that wherever the river goes, the swamp disappears. Everything that was slime and stagnant, gone. And he says, suddenly the riverbanks became fruitful and trees began to spring up and it's the river of life. Where the river of life goes, death cannot be. Where the river of life goes, stagnation, corruption, all just disappear. The water of life, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, the water that I give you shall be like a well springing up within you to eternal life. Whoever drinks of this water shall never thirst again. It's the water of life. Jesus said, 
Whoever believes on me, out of his innermost being, there shall cascade rivers of living water. All that takes me back to the dew. The dew isn't a river, but that's what the river's made of. Yeah. The triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, is the ultimate mystery. Invisible. Silent, unexpected. It never comes with a crash of thunder and scares the wits out of you. In fact, most of the time, and let's stay with most of the time because we can all find exceptions, but most of the time, he's already doing his thing before I realize it's happening. He steals up. That's the way he is. It's the mystery. There's no crash of thunder that paralyzes me to my spot. There's no flash of lightning. He's here. I mean, it's happening right now as I'm speaking. Right now. Right now. The Holy Spirit's working before you had a chance to catch up with him. That's the way it is. The greatest wonder is the incarnation. But I mean, you've gotten so used to that, you don't blink. The incarnation was totally unexpected. They could never have imagined. But then when the most unimaginable event happened, it was so secret you didn't notice it. You know, born in a place just a crossroads outside of Jerusalem in an underground cavern, whatever you want to call it, the barn, manger. Well, we got so used to that, Christmas cards and all that. But when God himself became due to the human race and joined us, no one even realized it. Or oh, there was a noise and clash out there in the fields, woke up the shepherds. But when they came to where it was happening, there was nothing happening. And the only sign, you, you said, this, is your, this shall be a sign to you, he said to the shepherd. This shall, shall be a sign. Well, if we're getting this show out in the field, I can't imagine what's happening. Oh, no. Uh, this shall be a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. Oh, yeah. If that isn't due, I don't know what is. And God revealed himself. He that has seen me has seen the Father. God in all his fullness, resident within our humanity. It's not a thunderstorm. There's no terror. I mean, the only time he really got upset, and there was a few peals of thunder, he... he 
then wept over them. <laughs> you know, he says, you're snakes and vipers. And then turns around and with great convulsive sobs said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. His most terrifying words were in a parenthesis of compassion. So the scripture says, a bruised reed he does not break. You know what that is? Uh, down by the riverside where the reeds grew and the kids would, would break them off and turn them into pan's pipes. Well, you try and do that. You, you, I don't know how many you... They bruise before they're broken off. What do the kids do? Throw them away. There's a hundred more where that came from. Jesus said, a bruised reed I do not break. You've been bruised in life and you think you'll never function. But I don't break you. A smoking flax he will not quench. What's that? When, when the little saucers of oil ha had the wick in them and that's how they lit their houses. And the woman of the house was supposed to check the oil every day. But if she didn't, the stench of that burning flax without oil. So what you do, throw it out the window. Good grief, there's plenty more where that came from. Jesus says, but I don't, I don't quench smoking flaxes. I just give them more oil and I cultivate them to give light. That, that's, that's God himself when he was among us. How does he reveal himself? Not with a thunderstorm, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He's the bread that came down out of heaven. He actually gave the whole of John 6 is his commentary upon the manna. And, and the people say, our fathers gave us bread from heaven. Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven that gives his life for the world. Cheryl gave me this morning over breakfast something I've really got to develop. But on the cross, Jesus said, I thirst. And when you realize everything he did on the cross, he did as us and for us, which means embodied in that cry, I thirst, was the cry of humanity, their thirst for God. And... and Jesus said, I thirst. But in his thirsting, he poured the dew upon us and we are nourished. But having said all of that, the mystery of the dew, which I said before, always here, but invisible in the atmosphere, ready to be manifested when it's needed. See, if dew was manifested at noon it would be gone by half past twelve it would be the wrong time e even five o'clock it would be too too hot for the Jew the Jew waits until everything is just ready the grass needs it now and there it is manifested oh you notice that, that's how God works. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So that's settled. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's settled. But the sense of God's presence 
and I know some of you would be upset when I say this, but it's true. Let's stick to reality. The actual sense, that pulsating presence of God, we don't feel that all the time. And when we do, have you noticed, as I said, it's already in pra- in operation by the time we realize it. A- and when it is, we'll, we'll report back, you, what happened to me? You know, you were going through that time when the sun was exceptionally hot and, and you, you felt, this is, I can't handle this. But at the end, you realize not only did you handle it, but you went through with a peace that passed all human comprehension. Only at the time, you just did it. Afterward, you reported back, I don't know what happened. I was able to handle it, and I had peace as I did so. Do do you follow what I mean? Yes, he's always with. He said that at the end of the Gospels. I will never leave you. But when I get into the Acts, have you noticed the Acts is punctuated by the phrase, and the Spirit came upon. So here are some very ordinary people who are very assured that Christ Jesus is with them, but they're faced with a situation they can't handle. They're faced with a situation where they don't know what to say. And at that point, he said, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon, and Peter stood up and said, you're looking at me a bit. Maybe you haven't read that. Or, or you can read it and not notice it. He was with them, but then he came upon them at certain times because this was the moment that they needed that. And he who was with them is now made manifest in their lips and their actions. Jacob said, God was in this place. And I knew it not. When God himself had conquered death, you'd expect a bit of lightning. Instead, Mary mistook him for the gardener. (laughs) I mean, that's that's comedy, really, when you think about it. God himself has just has reversed death. Which, well, quantum physics tells us that all creation could have collapsed at that. It was the reversal of death and the entrance of a new life did something to the very existence that had never been done before. There's no thunder and there's no lightning. It's just a weeping woman who says, now you're the gardener, so please tell me where you laid his body. And then when he didn't say, it's me, don't you recognize? No, he just said, Mary. I mean, get this. This This is our life. This is how our life works. Emmaus Road, total despair, no idea what's going on. And a traveler comes sauntering by and says, hi guys, you look sad, what's the matter with you? 
And it wasn't until all other, he had to actually disappear before their eyes, before they said it was the Lord. I mean, do, do you see what I'm saying here? And then, after he left them, he suddenly is in the upper room, just after they had supper. Have you ever been in a place where everybody's talking and then they stop and you're the only one left talking and you look at what's going on, you know? (laughs) Suddenly that room stopped talking, there's somebody here. And then Thomas, the next week, said, I won't believe unless I put my hand... And the next time, Jesus said, Thomas, come and put your finger. Well, that meant that when Thomas said that, though they couldn't see him, Jesus was there. Jesus had heard what he said. He said, now come and do it. I hope you're getting this, because this... Sometimes our testimonies can be unreal. And we talk about this great presence of God that's with us at all times and we're always mighty men and women of God. No, you're not. (laughs) I've told the story before when I faced a thousand witch doctors in Africa. I think most of you have heard that story. And, um, well, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) It's no time. But... When, when I realized that they had circled me and were pushing me to the center, pe- people have talked to me about it and said, you know, did you feel the sense of God? No, I didn't. I was scared spitless. I mean, where we go from here, I've got machetes pointed at me and they're moving me to meet the guy who introduced himself as the Lord High Demon of Liberia and... and no, I, I felt idiotic. I was saying, why did I get myself into this situation? What's happening next? It was only when he said, bow to me and confess that I am the Lord High Demon, and bam, the dew hit. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Malcolm. You know. But do, do you see what I'm saying? He was with me the whole time. I will never leave you. But I needed... But, but if that had happened when I was on the outskirts of those persons, I really wouldn't have known what to do with it, you know? It needed a confrontation. And so the dew, that essential presence of the Holy Trinity waited until we were in the middle of it. Anyway. (laughs) Tell them what I said. I said, I said, and I am the ambassador of the Most High God, creator of heaven and earth, and of Jesus Christ, his Son. And you, Lord High Demon of Liberia, will now bow to that Lord Jesus Christ, whether you like it or not. And he went down like a sack of tomatoes. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. That's. Yeah. Don't 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 get off the subject. Um, the dew. The the beauty of the dew. 
I, I think that's the the most amazing part of this. In our world, when we meet a need, it is usually done in such a way that there's no beauty to it. In fact, the older the human race gets, the less beauty they look for. They build houses today that you could house rabbits at the zoo in. I mean, there's no beauty left. You, you see subdivisions, they're all the same house, just out of a cookie cutter. And there's no beauty, no beauty. I feel sad for the people who live there. Um, well, I won't even go there. But the with God, there's beauty. The way he built the tabernacle, the way he built the temple was but the outward expression of the beauty of God himself. And that beauty comes over into now the full revelation, which was waiting in the old, but now the full revelation, the beauty of God. Agape, God love, is the most beautiful, the most glorious. Let me read to you from uh, Corinthians 13, but I do it in the amplified version. This is God. Uh, you know, he says love is, and the word there for love is agape. So this is agape. And we, we take it that this is how we're supposed to live. No, this is saying this is agape. God is agape. When he unites with us, this will be the way we turn out. But to begin with, this is God. Love, agape, endures long. That is endless patience. It is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. The, the God that many people worship is a God who demands you praise him and never stop because otherwise he'd get mad with you. He certainly won't do anything for you unless you're non-stop praising him. Um, but this love is not boastful. It does not display itself haughtily. Okay, we, we dealt with that. There's no thunderstorms. There's no lightning. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. If any being could be proud, <laughs> I mean, you could stay there for a long while. The beauty of God is he's not proud, doesn't act haughtily, but rather sits down with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners. Agape is not rude or without manners. Again, well, as far as the United States goes, we've essentially lost manners. Um, yeah. Does not act unbecomingly. 
agape does not insist on its own rights or its own way, is not self-seeking. He doesn't get mad with us if we're going against the grain. He joins us there. So, I mean, the, the parables, the sheep, the coin, the sons, they went the opposite direction to the plan, purpose, intention of the one who became the seeker. Right? The sheep, take the sheep. The, the right of the shepherd was the sheep stays in the flock. Sheep goes on its own way. Well, but it's the shepherd who goes after the sheep with compassion to rejoice when he finds it, not beat it up. Because love does not insist on its own rights. Doesn't insist on its own way. So they come and ask the father, divide the inheritance. And he does. And finances the trip of the kid to the far country. Agape is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Now, can you handle this? Agape takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. I was never taught that. The God I was taught had a black book in which he wrote every wicked thought I had, let alone actions. But Agape does not rejoice at injustice. It rejoices when right and truth prevail. Agape bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. I thought he got over us like a great black shadow and said you're a dirty rotten sinner. He comes to us like the dew and says have I got plans for you. Do you realize the potential that you have to produce fruit? Agape, its hopes are fadeless under all, so he never stops hoping. It endures everything without weakening. Agape never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. And the fruit of the Spirit. We say that's what we have to do. Not in, I mean, language. Do we hear this? The fruit of the Spirit. So when I meet the Holy Spirit, what's he like? And he's not a thunderstorm. The fruit of the Spirit is agape, joy. Shalom, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, loyalty, gentleness, self-control. That's the Holy Spirit. And when he is the center of my life, that begins to be seen in me. But it begins with him. If that isn't the due, I don't know what is. Where the Holy Spirit is manifested. He will bring peace. He will bring joy. 
certainly overarching all. He'll bring agape and patience and compassion. The glory of the dew is that everything agape touches becomes fruitful. Or to put it this way, the dew is greater than the sun's heat. The sun said, I'll kill you. The dew says, wait, see what I do tonight. And nourishes and strengthens and refreshes and foils and frustrates the sun completely. He's, he's drenched our lives. Do you remember some of those pictures in the Old Testament? Do you remember Gideon putting out the fleece? Do you remember that? Have you ever, do you remember enough of that? That he said the dew would make the fleece wet. And in the morning, he has to ring out the flea that's drenched and of course he's he wasn't satisfied with that he said yeah make it dry but when i when i say the holy spirit drenches us i mean you are soaking wet <laughs> that's the way it is He unites with us, produces the very love of God in us. All our works have that signature of agape. And he works invisibly and gently. I, I use the word, and I'm addressing some people, and you know who you are. Um, when, when I said a couple of weeks ago that we have an encounter Saul of Tarsus had an encounter. An encounter is not always a thunderstorm and the lightning. Can be. That's why I said we've got to be careful saying always or. But most of the time, the encounters that I have with the Holy Spirit that I know many of you have, they're so gentle. They're, they're so silent, actually. I mean, let me be very personal. Most of the time, I, I look at a text in terms of myself and in terms of you. I'm going to talk to you about it. And I, I, I don't know what it means. I don't. It just looks at me. And, and I look back. <laughs> but and I, and I pray. Well, you, you pray for the Jew. You pray for open the eyes of my understanding. And I don't realize that has been answered until about half an hour in when I realize this thing is opening up like a fillet. You know, it's... No, surely it's the same with you. And just because you don't have... Like, actually, actually, I don't have many experiences but when I hear people talk of how they've experienced God I, I haven't experienced it like that I, I remember in in the charismatic movement days when everybody you know when they touched you you fell down I remember they they were 
touching about a hundred pastors. And when all was said and done, they were all on the floor except me. And I stood there like a palm tree. You know, it's really upset the evangelist. But um, now I say that because people think if, if this could happen to me, if that could happen, if the room was full of light, if my bed trembled, I, no, no, I go to bed. Other people have great dreams. I, I don't know. Now, I'm saying that very honestly because I, I don't want people to feel nothing happens to me. What happens to me 99% of the time is the gentle Holy Spirit who has already opened my eyes before I had a chance to realize he was doing it. Who spoke so quietly inside of me that I thought it was just an idea I was having. Anyway, um, he, he feeds us, feeds our inner person uh, because he's the bread that came down from heaven and it's the Holy Spirit that feeds us with that bread. He's the one that pours the water of life that comes to us through Jesus who took our thirst upon the cross. Of course, if you are around this dew, you become the dew. It's a union. We become one with him who is the dew, one with agape. And that is beyond what most of us, even those of us who understand that, it's beyond what most of us ever dream of. Jesus said, speaking of us, very specifically actually, because he says, I'm praying for those who will believe because of what the apostles say. So that brings it right to us. He says that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world might believe that you sent me. Those words are too big just to say and leave. He said, even as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they, you all, may be in us. And then he says the world will believe. So it's not the evangelistic programs and it's not handing out tracts. Let the world see a company that are in the us of the Holy Trinity and the Holy Trinity, then they believe. He says the glory which you have given me, that's the beauty of the Jew, the glory of God in agape, I have, gi have given to them. You all, you're the them. That they may be one just as we, Father, Son, Spirit, are one. I, Jesus, in them, and you, Father, in me, so that they 
may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you have sent me second time he says that and the world may know that you loved them them even as you have loved me because there's not two agapes there's not agape and then a sub agape the way the father loves the son and the son loves the father is the same way the father loves you i desire said jesus that they also whom you have given me be with me where i am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. So that means he loved us before the foundation of the world. So that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. You should read John 17 a hundred times before breakfast. It's so that the glory of the dew now is the glory of the grass and of spider's webs. He makes known that we are the beloved. We are accepted. We have the inner witness. We have the peace of God, the joy of God. We're guided and directed by his hope. And it all pierces the darkness. And you can't make it happen. There's no formula. You can't make it happen. No natural striving. This is the gift of God and it is not deeper life. This is 101. This is just the dew coming upon his people. It's the gift of God life in Christ through the Spirit. It is the new of the new covenant. And incidentally, without getting into it, that word new, I've told you this before, it doesn't mean the latest in a series, like you've got a new car, because it's 22, um, but really it's just an improvement on 38, you know. Um, no, that, that's another word. This word means this is new as has never been experienced or even thought of before. It would be that parked out there is something we've never seen in our dreams before, a new way of transportation. That's this word, a new. But it also means new in the sense that it never's old. So that's resurrection. Resurrection has not only conquered death, it now leaves death out of all its calculations knew me well Jer jeremiah said it as far back as that your um great is your faithfulness they are new every morning so he says that there's nothing stale there's nothing that's gotten old every morning is newness well this is who you are this is who you are because we believe in the original Hebrew. I am 
If you want to think this is who I will be one day, this is what it will be like in the millennium, well, there's another church down the road who will feed you that. But if we stick just to the scripture, this is who you are. This is your isness. Do you realize chapter 14, that's the end of the story. Uh, it means that Goma has become now glistening dew. Right out of the temples of Eros to becoming the dew of agape. In fact, let me go here. Goma, I think I told you this in the beginning, the word Goma, the, the wife of Hosea, the word means finished, end, and used mostly in the Old Testament to describe the finishedness of failure. He's finished. She's done. That was the meaning of the word Goma. Now, in Christ, what is it? Finished done but the triumph of love religion can't imitate that it must translate it wrong it must and when it says I will be now I can stay the same old me and go forward at every revival and you know I, I've got but to say I am this now, not through anything I have done, but because the Father placed me in Christ and the Holy Spirit is the witness within. That's scary for many people. Give me formulas, because those formulas will just keep me working. They never get there, but we'll keep trying. There's no formulas because God says I am. That's it. You can't imitate it, no, that's for sure. So wherever we are, feeling or not, feeling or not, feeling or not, logic or not, always we are the dew in the dew. In our home, our work, our play, it's not a foreign kind of life that you have to put on at certain times. It's my life that we just read from John 17. I am in the us of the Trinity. And I am cared for every day with, with, with the Jew. The Father makes sure of that. One day, maybe pretty soon, I, I'm going to do John 15. I, it's bugging me. I, Jesus said, I am the true vine. Where does he get that from? See, most of what Jesus said, he got it from the Old Testament. Isaiah 27 says, a vineyard of wine. Sing of it. Lord, I am its keeper. I water it every moment. 
so that no one will damage it. I guard it night and day. Isaiah 27. Jesus said, I am the true vine. You are the branches. I'm not going to start preaching it. The, the fact is, I water it every moment. That doesn't mean that he went around with a hose. It doesn't mean they had non-stop rain. It means the dew was constant. You are the vineyard of the Holy Trinity. And he is the water every moment. Isaiah 58, the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places. You will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. The dew. Now, I think I've got a pretty good response to what I said. Looking at you on the TV screen over there. Can I then say, if this makes holy sense to you, why is it we don't wake up in the morning and expect this is the way the day is going to be? Why don't we put a toe out of bed and begin to act as if this is true? And be ready for when the dew steals into our life. So, the fact is, we are called to a confession, and sadly that this word has been really almost put out of action. On the one hand, it was described as you had to confess sin all the time. On the other hand, it had to keep on saying something you didn't believe was true until you believed it. Whereas confession is, I know it. I have seen it. I may not feel it right now and my brain hasn't caught up. But I know in the depth of my spirit this is true. And the word confession a Latin word, con means with. And so confession means to say together with. And so I say together with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit the truth. Though right now it's contradicting how I feel. So you could say confession in the biblical sense is standing with Jesus in the Spirit, before the Father, against myself and against my feelings and against my logic, because this is the truth, that I stand with him who is the truth, with the Spirit of truth, before the Father. And in that confession, our eyes are opened. And please believe me, this is not saying something you don't believe, hoping you'll believe it if you say it enough. 
You say it because you know it's true, even though you don't have the feelings to go with it yet. And there are things that I have known for years and say they confess they're true. Um, I know there is a point when I will know that as I don't know it now. That's the way it is. We are transformed by the dew. And when we stand, I say again, in Christ, by the Spirit, before the Father, and we declare who we truly are, we found our real identity. And he who is the Jew is the Jew to us. And we have become the Jew in the midst of our world. Amen. And so, Father, we give you thanks because you are the dew of our life. You are the ultimate life. You are the ultimate refreshment, healing, health. You are the manna under the dew. You are the water of life that streams to us through the cross by the Holy Spirit. We thank you that is the way it is. Amen. And amen.